Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, Parliament is back in full swing and the Canadian Federation of Agriculture has a list of issues and bills they're closely observing. We'll hear from Todd Lewis, who is the Vice President of the CFA. As well, coming up on today's program, the rebuilding of the U.S. beef cattle herd has not started yet. Yesterday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture released a report on the national cattle populations as of January 1st. The uh, USDA livestock market analyst Shale Shagam will tell us what that report showed. Drew Lerner of World Weather Inc. was the closing speaker at the Crossroads Crop Conference yesterday in Calgary. Kevin Hirsch, the chief agricultural editor for SaskAgToday.com, was there. He'll tell us what Drew Lerner had to say. Saskatchewan has released its 2023 Pealeaf Weevil Survey map. James Tanzi is the provincial specialist for insect and vertebrate pest management. He'll tell us what that report shows. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Parliament is back in full swing, and the Canadian Federation of Agriculture has a list of issues and bills they're closely observing. Vice President of the CFA, Todd Lewis, has the details. The Grain Act review, I think, is still... uh, Everybody's waiting to see what the federal minister is going to do... there's a report also released on uh, sustainability, what they heard. You know, that report was uh, was uh, made public uh, towards the end of, the, of uh, last year, you know, late December. So I think that's something that's on the agenda as well. And, you know, I think that those are two, two issues that uh, are kind of quietly, there's been lots of time and effort put towards it. Towards it and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, kind of getting those over the finish line. I think the grocery store conduct, uh, CFA been a co-chair on that and uh, you know I think we'd like to see that that uh, you know be put in place and uh, that uh, should help uh, consumers as well as producers as well so I think those are other examples uh, labor issues are always always ongoing and uh, it's always being tweaked uh, foreign working programs and so on and it's always a, an ongoing issue uh, more and more across the country as far as agricultural labor labor and how uh, temporary foreign workers can can help solve some of those problems so I think uh, you know. I think those are those are some of the issues that are coming up, and uh, and uh, there's also some other things on on the horizon. I think that we're watching closely, and it'll be interesting to see you know if this government decides to go forward with some of the some of the uh, other bills that are uh, currently sitting, private member bills, and so on, and and uh, how they work themselves through the Senate and and the House. Lewis also commented on the ongoing trade dispute between Canada and the United Kingdom. The UK announced last week it was suspending trade talks after Canada decided to not extend temporary country of origin rules and cheese export quotas. Canada also has an issue with the Brits not allowing Canadian beef imports 
over the use of certain hormones. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, there's international-based rules in Canada has a has a food safety system that is the envy of of a lot of the world and and uh, so certainly there's lots of politics in play on the British side but uh, it's important that uh, if we're going to enter these trade agreements that uh, it's uh, based on rules and uh, this in this particular case agriculture is being signaled out and, and uh, you know really it's good to see the Canadian negotiators take a stand on this and and not give in on some of these and uh, so it's uh, you know it's uh, any any of these negotiations are pretty delicate and. And uh, we hope to see trade trade agreements put in place because, I mean, at the end of the day, especially in Western Canada here, we're so based on trade and uh, and the U.K. could be a, a considerable market perhaps for, for some of our commodities. So I think it's important to take a stand and uh, hopefully uh, we'll continue to see uh, negotiations uh, pick up again and continue and that uh, we get an agreement that uh, treats both sides fairly. That's Todd Lewis, Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Bumper to Bumper in Langenberg and Rokenville, your auto parts professionals. Let them find the parts no one else can. Open 8 to 6, Monday to Saturday. Call 306-743-2332. Beef and Forage Report. A feed ingredient designed to reduce methane emissions in beef and dairy cattle has received market authorization in Canada. Bovair neutralizes methane in the rumen. When microbes in the rumen break down feed, hydrogen and carbon dioxide are released. These two gases are combined in the presence of an enzyme. Bovair works by suppressing the enzyme, reducing the amount of ethane, a methane that is created. The Dutch company selling the product says it could be available in Canada within a few weeks. The feed additive will be a tool for farmers to reduce methane emissions for cattle, but Canadian research has also shown a small increase in feed efficiency and no change in cattle growth rate. The company says Canadian cattle feeders can reduce methane emissions by an average of 45% by using the ingredient in the case of dairy cows, Bovair can reduce methane emissions by 30% on average, potentially lowering the overall greenhouse gas footprint per liter of milk by 10 to 15%. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. A farmer near Gray, Saskatchewan has mixed feelings when it comes to the winter we've had so far. Todd Lewis says the warmer-than-normal season on one hand is good, but on the other, it's a bit concerning. To go from record cold to record record warm in, in the space of a week or 10 days has certainly been uh, a, a nice winter, I guess, as far as if you're feeding animals and those kind of things or trying to heat barns uh, other than the week or 10 days we've had. It's been a, a pretty nice year, but, boy, the, the real part, part missing seems to be precipitation. I think that's at the top of mind for everybody in Saskatchewan. I know... Uh, on our farm here in the Regina area, we have we'll virtually have no snow cover even in the in the trees here in the shelter belts. You know, after the after this week, and uh, you know, to, to have uh, clear fields and, and uh, you know lots of brown dirt showing this time of year is concerning. So I think producers are, are hoping that uh, this pattern starts to break down a little bit. We see see more moisture and and uh, certainly lots of moisture on the west coast and so on. And 
sure be great to see some of that move inland here and uh, give us some significant rainfall or snowfall here before the spring and uh, spring seeding times. But certainly our pastures and so on in western Saskatchewan really need that boost. And and uh, so it's uh, it's been a nice winter in a lot of ways. You, you, you just kind of put the park away, but uh, it'd be real nice to have to take the raincoat out or shovel some snow. He notes you don't lose a crop in January. That's true, but, uh, you know, as I say, lots of concern. Very very little soil moisture reserve and so on. And, you know, we're going to need some significant rain to not only uh, get the crop started, but to be able to keep it going for uh, this growing season. But lots of time yet before before uh, seed goes in the ground. But at the same time, uh, we're already into February, and uh, so it's going to be it's going to be uh, time here to uh, hopefully see a little bit of moisture, be it snow or rain, here going forward. That's Todd Lewis, who farms near Gray, Saskatchewan, and is the vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Canadian farmers may have to wait months to find out if they'll owe thousands of dollars for carbon pricing this year. Legislation designed to exempt farms from the levy on natural gas and propane remains mired in political conflict. Kyle Larkin, the executive director of the Grain Growers of Canada, says farmers have already waited for years to see if they'll get relief. All parties but the Liberals voted last year on a bill to provide an eight-year exemption on natural gas and propane used for heating and cooling farm buildings and drying grain. The Senate amended the legislation in December to limit the exemption to three years and only for propane used in grain dryers. Conservative MP Ben Lobb wants the House of Commons to reject those amendments, a motion the Liberals plan to oppose, and the Bloc Québécois may do the same. Debate on Lobb's motion alone could take weeks before yet another round of debating and voting in either the Senate or the House. Farmers in Manitoba have one less grain elevator to do business at. Parrish and Heimbecker sent emails to producers indicating that as of yesterday, its grain elevator in Strathclair would permanently close. Producers will still be able to access the crop inputs business operating out of the same location. The large steel elevator in Strathclair was built as a pioneer elevator in 1994. At the time, the elevator was the company's first high-throughput elevator. It now has a capacity of 22,000 metric tons and can handle 11,000 bushels per hour. It can also store 1,600 metric tons of fertilizer. P&H purchased the elevator from James Richardson International in 2007. The Alberta government says it's opening talks on water sharing between large water users as the province's drought situation worsens. Environment Minister Rebecca Schultz says negotiations between water license holders in three southern Alberta river basins are to start this week. She says if a severe drought occurs this summer, the voluntary agreements would see major users take less water to help others downstream. There are currently 51 water shortage advisories in that province. One county has said the energy industry won't be able to use its treated water for oil and gas extraction. The province's energy regulator has also warned producers to make plans for reduced water use. 
Agriculture Canada says the entire province of Alberta is under at least a moderate drought, with large sections of the south under extreme and exceptional dry conditions. Cargo movement through the St. Lawrence Seaway was up by more than 3.4% in 2023, compared to the previous year, with nearly 38 million metric tons of cargo moved through the binational system. That's according to a joint report from the Canadian St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation and the United States Great Lakes St. Lawrence Development Corporation. Of the total, grain movement was up by 5% on the year, hitting 10.4 million metric tons, with Canadian grain up by more than 11%. Dry bulk movement of agricultural supplies and construction materials topped 12 million metric tons, which was up by 5% on the year. Liquid bulk traffic was up by 3.4% at 3.6 million metric tons. After the longest scheduled shipping season in history, the Montreal-Lake Ontario section of the Seaway closed for the season on January 5th, with the Welland Canal closing on January 7th. France's two major farmers' unions announced today their decision to suspend protests and lift road blockades across the country in a dramatic development shortly after the French Prime Minister unveiled a new set of measures they see as tangible progress. Farmers have been protesting for days across the country to denounce low wages, heavy regulation and unfair competition from abroad. Earlier today, Prime Minister Gabriel Attal announced a new set of measures coming on top of other promises made in recent days. His speech came as convoys with hundreds of angry farmers driving heavy-duty tractors created chaos outside the European Union's headquarters, demanding leaders at an EU summit provide relief from rising prices and bureaucracy. Atoll also announced 150 million euros in aid to livestock farmers and a decrease in taxes on farms being transferred from older generations to younger ones. And Saskag Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskank today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. Saskank today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskank today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and plus one degree in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The rebuilding of the United States beef cattle herd has not started yet. Yesterday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture released a report on the national cattle populations as of January 1st. It was the smallest U.S. cattle inventory since 1951, with 34 of 50 states reporting year-over-year inventory declines. Shale Shagam is a USDA livestock market analyst. The number of cattle on January 1st was just under 87.2 million head, which was down 2% from 2023. 
producers uh, indicated that they had 28.2 million head of beef cows, which was down 2%. If we look at the number of heifers which are being retained for beef cow replacement, they were just under 4.9 million head, which was down about 1%. We also had an indication of the number of heifers which were not being kept for addition to the herd, and that was just under 9.6 million head, down 2% below a year ago. Shagam continues with the steer, bull, and calf numbers. The number of steers was 15.8 million head, down about 2%. The number of bulls was about 2 million head, unchanged from 2023. And the number of calves under 500 pounds was just under 13.3 million head, 3% below a year ago. We also got an indication that the 2023 calf crop was 33.6 million head, down 2% from a year ago. Dennis Smith with Archer Financials says zero heifer retention and smaller sized calves than expected is bullish for both feeder and live cattle futures. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 183.05 this afternoon. That's up 235. June live cattle trading at 180.97, up 210. March feeder cattle trading at 244.67, up 452. April feeder cattle trading at 250.22, up 407. April lean hogs trading at 83.02, down 180. May lean hogs trading at 87.92, down 125. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Producers, Junior for Heartland Livestock Services Yorkton with your market report for the week of January 31st. Real nice one on offer here this week with 2516 in the sort, 527 cows and bulls for a total of 3,043 on offer. On the feeder market this week, we had nine major order buyers in Buyers Row, and our market was on fire with all classes being steady to higher by 10 to 15 cents. Here are a few highlights. Buckskin steers, 636 at 380. Five weights at 445 and 708 at 360. Black steers, 496 at 445. Six 40s at 375 and 710s at 359. On the red X steers, 500 at 448, 645 to 376, and the 800 pounds at three and a quarter. On the half a trade, Buckskin heifers 570 at 360, 640s at 324. On the black heifers 563 at 360, 640s at 330. On the red X heifers 562 at 350, and 640s at 315. On the cow and bull trade, we saw 500 cows average a dollar 30, which was 13 cents higher than last week. D1, D2 cows 125 to 136, sales to 140. D3 cows 112 to 122. Light Shelley 74 to 95. And a half rats, 165 to 228. Mature bulls, 110 to 164, averaging $1.47. Producers, bread cow sale Friday, February 2nd, 11 a.m. 225 cows on offer with 120 head reduction of exotic cross cows bred Semtone Charlie for March, April calving. Plus some smaller herd dispersals of black cows bred black for April calving. For more info, give us a call, 7394-37. Also, pre starts every week, so call ahead and get your cattle booked in. Delivery times Monday 8 to 4 and Tuesday 8 to 4. Once again, this is Junior for HLS Yorks, and thank you, and have a great day. Welcome back to Saskag Today. 
Saskatchewan has released its 2023 Pealeaf Weevil survey map. It shows northern and eastern Saskatchewan had the worst infestations. James Tanzi is the provincial specialist for insect and vertebrate pest management. This animal is actually invasive. Uh, so it, uh, it's found its way into Saskatchewan. It's been here for, uh, for uh, some time, about 20 years now. And it's worked its way north and it's worked its way east. Uh, so that it's now found in Manitoba, albeit at relatively low, uh, low numbers. Uh, we do conduct an annual survey for this, uh, for this insect. And uh, uh, this is uh, conducted typically in May, and we're looking for notch feeding associated with adults in uh, field pea. Um, it's, uh, it will feed on feed field pea, and it will feed on faba. Those are the two uh, what are called true hosts. So that is the larvae can actually complete development in those, in those plants, uh, but they will feed on a number of different legumes as adults for, uh, for uh, uh, protein and energy sources. But yeah, they can only complete development crop-wise in those, in those two crops. Uh, so we do conduct a survey annually for this. Uh, across the province uh, in, in collaboration with uh, with Ag Canada and our regional specialists and uh, the SARM uh, plant health technical advisors as well as uh, as well as with industry um, so Saskatchewan pulse growers um, what we found uh, uh, um, this year was uh, uh, an elevated presence of the pea leaf weevil uh, in the Battlefords uh, and uh, regions thereabouts so uh, northern regions and uh, eastern regions uh, saw an increase in prevalence of, uh, of uh, adult pea leaf weevil. Uh, we also pressed a little further north in our 2023 survey, and our plan is to do so in 2024 as well. Uh, and we found elevated populations uh, as far north as we, uh, as we pressed in the, in the northeast. He says the pea leaf weevil is easy to spot. They're relatively easy to identify. They're, they're about a four millimeter weevil. Uh, they, they will fly in the spring and again in the fall, but typically you're going to see these animals uh, just trundling along in, in uh, along the ground. Uh, so really characteristic uh, 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 gray, somewhat scaly looking body with, uh, with light uh, 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 stripes on them. Uh, so they are relatively characteristic, but uh, uh, an important consideration is they're not the only members of the genus uh, in the pyramid. So there are other Cytona weevils, so Cytona is the genus, uh, that they can be mistaken for. Um, so it's uh, um, uh, good to get, if you have any questions, to, to, to forward a photograph to myself or to the Crop Protection Lab, and, and, and I'll, get, uh, I'll get, my, uh, uh, get a look at it um, and be able to, be able to identify, identify it from, uh, or at least get, uh, uh, pardon me, get it identified from that. Uh, you can also contact Megan Van Kosky with Agriculture Canada in Saskatoon. Uh, she's done considerable work on pea leaf weevil and, uh, and could uh, certainly lend a hand on that. But, yeah, if you have a question about identi identification, you know, contact myself, Crop Protection Lab, or, or Megan. Tansy tells us what kind of life cycle they have. Uh, annual. So they have uh, one generation per year. They overwinter as adults, uh, and they're going to be looking for areas like shelter belts or sheltered uh, sheltered berms, grassy area, typically areas uh, that are going to accumulate some uh, some snowfall. They're not terribly cold hardy. So uh, so they uh, uh, um, some of the modeling that I did uh, a few years ago suggested that uh, there could be uh, an impact of, uh, of snow accumulation on their survival over winter. Um, and uh, Megan is looking at soil moisture right now uh, experimentally to determine if there's an effect with that. Um, so um, 
um, yeah, so uh, one generation per year, they're going to leave these overwintering sites, and they can engage in what's called uh, an early season uh, mass flight, uh, although typically they're going to move by walking or, or short flights, but they can engage in this mass flight, uh, and they're going to be seeking out plants in the Fabaceae, so, so you know, leguminous plants to, to feed on. Uh, so once again, to uh, to uh, uh, you know get their energy stores up and 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 protein and and get enough nutrients to uh, to uh, make for uh, uh, egg production, they're going to mate shortly after they begin feeding, and then they're going to start and then they're going to start seeking. Uh, true hosts, so that is areas to to lay their eggs. They're a little unusual in that they don't lay clutches of eggs. They uh, females typically deposit individual or small numbers of eggs, you know, as she's wandering the wilderness. So she's just walking along the ground, dropping individual eggs, and she can keep doing that for a couple of months. Uh, these eggs are going to hatch up. They're going to find their way into the rhizobium nodules of their true host, so either faba or field pea, and that larva is going to going to going to munch away on the rhizobium inside inside that uh, inside that nodule. So that's really what causes the yield impact with those crops, uh, is uh, influence of uh, of nitrogen uh, fixation. So from there, it's uh, the, the animals will complete their development and uh, uh, form a a, a subterranean uh, pupil cell complete their development to adulthood and then pop up later in the summer, typically, you know, July uh, and uh, and uh, uh, look for overwintering sites from there. So they're going to fly back to some of those sites where they where they overwintered. He says a certain economic threshold must be met before producers need to take action to control pea leaf weevils. Yeah, so economic threshold for pea leaf weevil, and this is associated with the adults, uh, is uh, is two to three uh, at the two to three node stage, uh, with uh, one or more feeding notches appearing on thirty percent of the clam leaf. So the clam leaf, of course, is that terminal leaf. Um, uh, so there are recommendations for chemical control, but we typically don't advise it as uh, as part of our extension messaging. Uh, reason being is uh, some of the work done uh, by Megan and by Hector Carcamo at uh, Agriculture Canada in Lethbridge uh, uh, didn't indicate a clear relationship between foliar uh, sprays that is controlling adults and yield benefits. And, and I suspect Part of the reason for that may be by the time adults and feeding are detected, uh, the jig is up. Like a, a large number of eggs have already gone down, and you're going to see the, see the, uh, uh, the yield effects of those. But uh, at this point, we don't recommend chemical control or foliar sprays for adults. Uh, the best control method is uh, if you're in a region that uh, is looking like it's going to see uh, significant pea leaf weevil pressure, uh, and uh, it looks very much like uh, you know northern pulse produ production regions and eastern pulse production regions all the way down to the U.S. border uh, will experience these. Uh, growers should consider um, purchasing seed with a thymethoxam uh, seed dressing. Tansy notes the pea leaf weevil also has some natural enemies. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there, there are lots. Uh, we don't have any specialists, so, so this is a, an invasive species. Uh, we don't have an, a, a, an effective... Um, uh, biological control agent that was targeted for release in uh, in North America. 
uh, that is that is affecting populations in any great way. Uh, but they are still munched on by wolf spiders and crabbed beetles, so those predaceous ground beetles. You know, any generalist predator that uh, that can uh, that can clobber them, uh, and that's that's a whole host of different animals. So. Yeah, you know, all your gen- all your general generalist arthropod uh, predators uh, have pea leaf weevil on their menus. He provides some tips on how to minimize the impact of the insect. Uh, yeah, there there has been some some indication about uh, about um, uh, the addition of uh, of uh, of. Uh, 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 inoculation. Uh, so inoculation can be impactful. As I mentioned, the seed dressings can be impactful, and the addition of fertilizer can be uh, can be impactful on improving yields. And he offers some additional advice for producers. For growers in northern regions and eastern regions, I think you know just to uh, to keep an eye out for further damage and uh, for them to uh, uh, look up our uh, our survey sign up uh, page. Uh, we rely entirely on permission to access lands, and uh, if growers uh, are curious about what's happening in their area, the best way is to get a hold of us or sign up. Uh, on our site, on our uh, online sign-up sheet, uh, to uh, to allow us access, so that we can survey for this uh, this insect and for a number of other insects, and uh, have a good uh, handle on what's happening with their populations. James Tansey is the provincial specialist for insect and vertebrate pest management. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up right after these messages. Commodities update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 604.20, down $6.20. May canola trading at 611.10, down $6.90. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 695 and 3 quarters, up 3 and a half cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 620 and 3 quarters down one and a quarter cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 599 and three quarters up four and a half cents. March corn trading at 446 and a half down one and three quarters of a cent. March soybeans trading at 1204 per bushel that's down 18 and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 384 per bushel up one and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Drew Lerner of World Weather Inc. was the closing speaker at the Crossroads Crop Conference yesterday in Calgary. As Kevin Hirsch, Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskagToday.com reports, Lerner provided some hope that 2024 will not be a serious drought year. Drew Lerner examines a range of cycles and factors to make his growing season weather forecasts. His presentation is full of charts, graphs, and maps. At this point, it appears El Nino has peaked and is weakening, with some forecasters predicting a turnaround to La Nina this spring. Lerner also considers an 18-year cycle, and then looks for years with similar fall and early winter patterns to make his predictions for the year ahead. 
All the analysis has Lerner leaning towards 2024 being similar to 2006. He's calling for a drier than normal spring in eastern Alberta and part of western Saskatchewan. However, spring weather could be a bit wet in southern Manitoba. For summer weather, he expects a turnaround, with a large area from Edmonton to North Battleford wetter than normal, while southern Manitoba and southeast Saskatchewan could be drier than normal. Over the near term, he doesn't expect any large wet pattern in the next four or five weeks. However, if incoming systems end up being wetter than expected, that's a good omen for the year ahead. As for snowpack in the Rockies, Lerner does not expect enough snow to bring that up to normal. 2023 was the world's hottest year on record, and a lot of observers link that to climate change and CO2 emissions. Lerner disagrees. Yes, the climate has warmed over recent decades, but he attributes the 2023 spike to the huge Hunga Tonga volcano eruption in January 2022. The eruption didn't make a lot of news because it occurred underwater in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. However, it was the largest volcano in recent history, spewing massive amounts of water vapor into the atmosphere. That, says Lerner, is the reason for last year's temperature spike. He expects the effect will be lessened in 2024. For SaskAgToday.com, I'm Kevin Hirsch. Farm Bulletin Board. Attention Yorkton area producers, you're invited to the annual Stakes and Stems Producer Night. It'll be held Wednesday, February 14th from 5 until 9 p.m. at St. Mary's Cultural Centre in Yorkton on 240 Willington Avenue. You can join the Ministry of Agriculture's Yorkton Regional Office on Valentine's Day to celebrate local farmers, ranchers and agribusinesses. You will hear from ministry specialists along with Chuck Penner and Brian Perilat discussing the cattle market outlook and grain market outlook. To register, please contact the Yorkton Regional Office at 306-786-1531 or the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. It's now 1 o'clock, time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny, winds southeast at 15 to 30, and a high of plus 4 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds southeast at 15 to 25, a low of minus 2. For tomorrow, mainly sunny. Winds southeast at 15 to 25, a high of plus 4, an overnight low of 0. For Saturday, mainly cloudy with a 20% chance of late day showers, a high of plus 3. For Sunday, a 40% chance of light rain showers or flurries, a high of plus 1. And for Monday, a 60% chance of flurries, a high of zero. In the Paw, it's minus six degrees. Swan River, Dauphin, and Show Lake Russell are at minus two. Brandon and Roblin, minus three. 
Regina, Saskatoon, and Broadview Mooseman are at plus four. Hudson Bay minus two. Broad uh, Indian Head plus six. Winyard Wadena Kelvington plus five. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a south-southeast wind at 30, gusting to 39 kilometers an hour. 82% is the relative humidity. The temperature is plus 1 degree. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskank today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.